welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. All right, John chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus says, Father, my Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. He says in verse 19, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus reveals a God in the scriptures who is active and present in the world. God is working. He is with us connected to the world and what's going on around us. He's present to the pain and deeply concerned about his creation. And I want to make this abundantly clear right now because many people are asking about this. Where is God in all of this? What did God do? And the answer I want to give you today is simply this. God did not cause this crisis. God did not initiate the pain, but he is redeeming the pain. God is not the source of the destruction. He is in the process of of restoration. So where is God in all of this? He is with you. He is in this with you. He is weeping with those who are mourning and suffering. He is comforting those who are brokenhearted and hurting. He is encouraging others who need to be encouraged. He's walking alongside those who need it, and he's with us. He's caring tenderly for our needs as a loving father, as a kind friend. What kind of work is he doing right now? He is healing, he is liberating, he is preparing, covering, instructing, encouraging, disciplining, releasing, restoring, reconciling, redeeming, and resurrecting things that are dead. God is always at work. He is at work even now in the midst of this crisis. And I wanna make sure you understand that God is always at work. Last week, we talked about living the way of Jesus, creating a a process for the fruit. We have to learn as disciples to organize our lives around the way of Jesus, not just believe the truth about Jesus, but carefully organize our lives in a way that allows us to experience his life. What you see in this text in John chapter five is something really important for the way of Jesus. You see, Jesus had a particular way of living his unique life, a way of organizing his energies around the Father's activities. He only did what he saw his Father doing. Jesus was limited to, energized by, and released into the world for the Father's purposes. He was limited to, energized by, and released into the world for the Father's purposes. God is always at work. Jesus was aware of the Father's activity on earth. He was preparing his work, his life, his his everyday ordinary experience to follow and participate in God's activity, where he saw the Father prompting him, leading him, um, uh, moving towards, Jesus did that. In other words, Jesus was aware of the Father's activity on earth. And to be a disciple is to become like Jesus, to do what he did. And I think he wants us to do the same. And the question is, 
how do we become aware? How do we become aware of God's activity? And how do we learn to organize our lives around the Father's business to keep up in the, fa- uh, the family business as Christians? And that's where I want to lead us over the next season. But I want to ask you a question that will help frame the practicals and really help frame where we go as a church. But the question I have for you is, are you awake? Are you awake? I want you, church, to wake up. Wake up to the reality of God and the world he has placed you in for such a time as this. Wake up to the possibilities that we have. Wake up to the potential that this world is is pregnant with possibilities in this God-bathed world. Wake up and go to work. Wake up and get to work. I long for you, church, to become aware of God's activity, but in order to get there, we need to wake up. Are you with me? Come on, church. Are you with me? Let me hear your amens. Let me hear your hallelujahs. Text, email, do all of that. Do what you want to do. Now, turn to the book of Revelation. You didn't see that coming. Yes, we're going to go to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. So, I've been reading Revelation for the past few weeks because this whole COVID-19 experience um, has felt a little bit apocalyptic, hasn't it? With all the sickness, with all of the, um, the, the economic fallout and bailouts and the closing of borders and travel and the world being on pause and empty streets and all the stuff going on, it feels a bit apocalyptic. Now, Revelation is one of the most confused book in the entire Bible. And the problem is we approach this book like no other book in the scriptures, we, uh, which adds to the confusion. Rather than applying the same tools of interpretation uh, for the book of Revelation, we, we kind of throw out all the exegetical principles that we were taught and we look at the book of Revelation with the lens of the newspaper and it influences how we read. So we're wondering if you know all these people are gonna put microchips in, in us. Is that the mark of the beast? We have all these questions about what's going on and the horsemen and the plagues and, and the answer is no, a microchip in your hand is not the mark of the beast. It was contextual to the first century church. I just need you to know the book of Revelation is not some roadmap of what will happen in the end times. The only thing that really speaks of that is the last couple of chapters when the heaven comes to earth. But what you need to know about Revelation is it was contextual to the first century. It was a letter written by John for the first century church. It was a pastoral letter. It was a letter written by um, a, a disciple of Jesus, the one whom Jesus loved, the beloved disciple, John. And he was in his mid-80s, and he was exiled in prison um, in the, on the island of Patmos, and he was sent there because he wouldn't worship Caesar. He believed Jesus was Lord, therefore Caesar was not. And so the Caesar at the time that this was written was a guy named Domitian. And Domitian um, was insecure and he forced all these people to worship him in in a cult practice of before you go into a marketplace, you had to offer a sacrifice to Caesar, showing your allegiance to Caesar as a deity, as a God, and John wouldn't do that. Um, 
And so rather than killing John because he was this great leader in the church in the first century, Domitian put him on the prison island of Patmos thinking that it would kill the movement, but it didn't. As a result, we have the letter Revelation. And Revelation was written for specific churches in the Roman Empire. And the purpose is to encourage the church to not be afraid. In the midst of all the circumstances, the vision that John is given is Jesus as the victorious king holding the keys of life and death, holding the keys of death and Hades. And he is already victorious. If there's one thing you get out of the book of Revelation, it's that Jesus has already won. End, stop, full stop, period, amen, hallelujah, let's go on. The battle is over, Jesus won. And now as Christians, we live in view of what's coming. Heaven's gonna come to earth. Jesus has the final say. He's going to restore all things. So in the meantime, let's act like we have won. Let's act like the church. Let's be church. Are you with me? All right, we're fired up. The passage we're about to read is specific to the church in Sardis. Sardis was the largest of the seven churches that he writes to. Also, seven is the number of complete, meaning the complete church. It's also meant for the global church, but it's specific to the issues that Sardis was dealing with. Sardis was a wealthy community, and they were known around the church, around the, the Christian circles, for all of their religious activity. They were, of the seven churches listed, the only church that wasn't facing outright persecution. And John writes to them in particular as a pastor to encourage his church um, with a, a form of writing that was very, very popular at the time that John writes it. It was called apocalyptic literature. So it was a genre. It was like a romantic comedy. It's not really like a romantic comedy, but it was like a genre-like romantic comedy, okay? And it would have been read and interpreted that way. You would expect metaphors and images and all sorts of things that you see in this letter um, that would have been expected in an apocalyptic, apocalyptic literature. In the same way that we expect poetry to be written with, with, let, um, with uh, images and metaphor and uh, we, we expect that in apocalyptic literature. Are you with me? As we see in this text, Jesus is going to address the church in Sardis. Now, the way these kind of seven um, addresses happen with the seven churches is similar to an Old Testament prophetic oracle mixed with in a, a kind of first century Roman edict. So it would have been read similar, like a, a prophetic oracle mixed with a Roman edict, which is why it follows this pattern, I know your deeds, followed by a critique or a challenge. You've done this, but I challenge this. So that's where you find, that's a lot of backup to just tell you, or background to get to this text, but I hope that's helpful. Romans chapter three, verse two, it says this, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And Jesus says to the church in Sardis, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come. So this is what's going on. It's a, it's a letter to the church in Sardis. And what do we pull out of this? First of all, they had a reputation for being alive. But Jesus says, look, in the midst of this church, 
you are dead. Sardis wasn't being persecuted by the Romans, but they were faced with a different kind of opposition, one that comes from the inside. It was the silent corruption, a blending of cultural practices with their faith. They were known as a church for all of their busy activities. Spiritual things were going on, prayer gatherings, worship services, maybe even events and, and um and conferences, who knows? But what we know is Jesus says, with all that activity going on, you seem to be alive by the outside, but you are dead inside. Inside, you don't have life inside. You might sing the songs when you show up to church, but your life is empty of praise. You might look like you're living on the outside, but there's no life to be found inside. You can pray, but you're not, uh, when you gather with other fellow, fellow believers, but your life doesn't consist of prayer when you're alone. You could read scripture, but you don't believe and live your life around the scriptures. You can even be really good at programming church, but inside you are dead because your deeds are unfinished. They're incomplete. And it's a a warning to prepare for the second coming, prepare for God's arrival. Jesus talks about this in the book of Matthew. Paul will talk about this all over the scripture about this idea. And what does he tell the church to do. He tells the church to wake up. Wake up, pay attention, stay alert. This concept uh, in the Bible is called watchfulness. Be ready for what's coming. In Romans chapter 13, when Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says, and do this, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In Ephesians chapter five, Paul says to the church in Ephesus, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Do you see what's going on? Jesus has a warning of being prepared and staying alert, staying awake and Paul is telling the church to live in such a way where you are waking up to the reality of what's happening. Are you looking around to see God always at work? Are you aligning yourself to what God is doing? Are you awake? The prophet Kanye West, which I know some of you disagree, but there is a bit of prophetic gifting in Kanye. When he converted to Christianity, he had um, an experience, and he has been telling the world about this experience, and somebody asked him this question about what's taking place and what's going on, and the quote is amazing. He says this, and I quote Kanye, I'd say, when you go to sleep, would you agree that you are asleep? And when you wake up, would you agree that you're awake when you're awake? Would you agree that those are two different states? People who don't believe me are walking dead. They are asleep, and this is the awakening. He says this, would you agree that you are asleep when you're asleep? And when you are awake, would you agree that you are awake when you are awake? What, would you agree that those are two different states? People who don't believe me are the walking dead. They are asleep, and this is the awakening. Paul, uh, Paul Kanye is simply saying there are two states, people who are sleeping and people who are awake, people who are aware of what is going on. It is, to date myself, the matrix, which pill do you take? Do you go back to sleep and live in the matrix or do you take the other pill and wake up to the reality of God at work all the time? Brothers and sisters, I can't 
emphasize this enough for us as a church. God is doing something right now. Are we aware? Are you ready for what is coming? I believe this could, could potentially be a great awakening in the world, but have we prepared as a church for what's coming? Have you prepared your life? Have you prepared your household? Have you prepared with God for what is about to come? Paul continues in Romans chapter 13. He says, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in the carousing and the drunkenness, not in the sexual immorality and debauchery, not in the dissensions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And that word flesh is the sinful nature. You see, when Paul talks about staying awake, waking up from our slumber, there is a direct connection that he makes about how we live our everyday ordinary life. There's a connection to being aware of God's activity, staying awake, and our daily habits. Put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. He says, let us behave decently. In Ephesians, he says this, verse four, I'm sorry, chapter four, verse 22. He says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by the deceitful desires, to be made nude, to be made new, not nude, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says, as the church, as followers of Jesus, we have been called into this new existence. And he will say in other places, we are a new creation. And there's a, there's a partnership with God in becoming the person we were created to be. It is a setting aside, a putting off of the old self and a putting on the new self, putting off the old deeds of the past of our old way and putting on the new self which has been created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Can I get an amen? So when we're walking around in our homes on quarantine, feeling victim to the world around us, being victimized by our habits that have created a type of impatience and anger and judgment and jealousy, we have to recognize that's the old self. So the question I have for you, church, are you awake? If so, great. Are you awake? What do you need to put off? What needs to be taken off? What's the, the thing that you're wearing that needs to be put aside in this time? In this time, what are the things in your lives that have held you captive, that have, that have imprisoned you, that have created a sense of complacency in this world and in this time? What are the things guiding your decisions, guiding your emotions, directing the, the, the center of your existence in life, your soul? Is it truth? Is it God's truth? Or is it something else? else? Have you allowed the world to infiltrate your existence? And as a result, are you right now becoming aware of how you are sleeping through God's renewal? Perhaps right now, God has begun a renewal around the world and what we are doing is binge watching 
Netflix, checking out from the real activity of prayer and life with God. We are failing to show up because we're sleeping through God's revival. Is it possible right now that God is waking up the church in the midst of this uh, divine pause, this Selah moment to remind us of who we were created to be, how we were supposed to live. You see, Paul, when he talks about putting off the old self, he is referring to a, uh, the sin in our life, the sinful nature, the deceitful desires, the desires of the flesh. Uh, and, and I know that for a fact, sin is keeping us from being awake. Wouldn't you agree? I know that there is stuff in our life that is keeping us from being the person we were created to be, the person that we desire to be. And brothers and sisters, I just wonder if right now this is not a moment to confess that sin. Like the Spirit of God right now is illuminating the things in our life that need to go. He is illuminating the things that are holding us back, that are keeping us um, stagnant and stale and, and lukewarm. Warm. Come on, church. I know you don't want to hear this, but this is what we need because we need to wake up. We need to wake up to what God is doing in this moment. So yes, there's sin. And for some of us, there's a silent sin that needs to be confessed. That we need to show up to our digital communities this week going, guys, I want to be real and I'm afraid that when you know this about me, you're going to walk away, but will you hold tight to me as I share this issue and let those issues come out. Send that text message. Send, call that person. Let's confess the sin that's there. But it's not just sin. You see, I think fear is keeping us from living the way of Jesus. I think fear of the unknown is keeping us from being generous because we're, we, we, we have a scarcity mindset. We don't think uh, we're gonna have enough and we don't think God is benevolent and good and so we're afraid of the world because we don't believe God is actually always at work and that fear has created all sorts of issues in our life that paralyze our activity to partner with God. There is uh, a bunch of unprocessed toxic emotions um, that are robbing us of community and relationships. There is, this, uh, there is this veneer of laziness over the church right now. And, and I hate using this, in, and this might sound so hard to hear, but some of us have, have followed forms of, distra- uh, of distraction. We have allowed ourselves to be distracted into oblivion where this escapist behaviors are just part of our life, binge watching TV, scrolling endlessly through social media. Um, We've become so hurried and busy that we don't have time to even focus on the inner life that we have with God, let alone the life that is around us. For some of us, we've become satisfied. So satisfied and so comfortable, we've lost a hunger for God's presence, for God's word, for God's prayer. Some of us don't have any energy to read scripture because we're giving all of our energy to everything else rather than cultivating a fire and passion in our lives with God that we've lost a hunger for God because we have a reputation for being alive, but we are dead inside. We have a reputation for doing spiritual activities when everyone's looking, but in inside there is a coffin there is a grave and God is saying I can resurrect that inside of you can I get an amen I'm feeling a church and I'm recording this in advance and I know the presence of God is moving because he wants us to wake up if this time this moment 
doesn't wake you up. I don't know what will. If a global pandemic and massive unemployment, mass unemployment, it isn't shaking you, then I don't know. Maybe you are too insulated. Maybe you're too distracted. Maybe you're too self-consumed that as followers of Jesus, we have forgotten to care and concern ourselves for the things that God the Father is concerned about. Are you too distracted from the pain of this moment? Do you realize the urgency, the crisis that people still are suffering? There's increased loneliness. There's increased financial need. There's increased pain. People need the church to be awake. People are living without Jesus. And are we too consumed with how people think of us that we won't send a text? We won't invite people to hear the good news of who Jesus is, to invite people into a relationship with Jesus by inviting them to live stream, inviting them to show up to Alpha Online, join your digital community. Some of you need to start a digital community with your coworkers. Some of you recognize right now as God's calling you out that there are people in your life Um, that God has strategically placed you in relationship with them to bring the good news of Jesus. Man, this is a rant. I get it. I think we as American church have been so consumed with our little circles, our little worlds, our little kingdom that we have disconnected from God's world around us, from God's activity all around us. And if the enemy can keep you sitting pretty, creating a world that's risk-averse, You'll never really engage in God's work all around you because God is always at work. Are you partnering with him in the work he has for you? Or are you sleeping through revival? Wake up, church. The world needs a church that's alive. The world needs a church that's alive. It says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, you have re- what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know what time I will come to you. So how do you stay awake? The passage says to remember. To remember what you have received. God is always at work. Remember what the Spirit has done in you. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Have you received instruction from the church? Have you been a part of a community? Have you ever experienced the grace of God? Hold on to it. Remember it. Cultivate it. Was there a time in your life where God moved powerfully? Remember the promises. Remember the prophetic words. Remember the healing. Remember what you have received already from God. Call it out. Speak it out. Get into your families and tell the stories of what God has done. Do not forget because we are forgetting people. Do not forget what God has done. Keep on remembering is how that word, how that Greek phrase is encouraged to the church in Sardis. And then it says, hold it or keep on holding it. Hold it fast. Fight for it is another phrase. Fight for it. So as you remember what God has done, fight for it. Wake yourself up. Is there a little bit of fire inside? Fight for that right now. Put practices in place processes in place that will empower the life of God to flourish as you move forward. So remember, hold it, fight for it, keep on keeping on, keep on the practices of the Holy Spirit, and lastly, repent. Repent is not this bad, dark thing. Repent is this deeper awareness that God's reality is coming through, that you are now remembering who you were created to be, and you need to change directions. You need to change your minds. 
You need to keep on remembering and keep on fighting for what God has put into your life and keep on repenting. As God bubbles up the things in your life that need to go, release the things, put off those things and step into God's reality. So brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, would you experience the grace of God right now where you are and wake up? Wake up, God is doing something. He's bringing something new to the world. And I, wanna, I want you to be prepared. And I said it last week, there is a fermenting process going on where we are getting stronger. We are getting more potent and powerful as we are held home in this time. We don't know when we'll ever be able to gather publicly again, but for now, let us become more resilient and more powerful and let us wake up because God's at work. He's always at work. Amen? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.